This is season two, episode six of the Culture Shop podcast, and I've got two of my special guests from Capsule. So without further ado, let's hit that new intro. Let's go. Welcome to the Culture Shock Podcast. My name is Stephen Adeboye, and again, this is a special edition because we're doing this by Zoom, and we're still kind of quarantining because of lockdown. But I have two special guests that you probably heard before in the previous podcast, so I'm going to let them introduce themselves to you guys. Yeah, I'll kick off. I'm David Chen, co-founder and co-CEO of Capsule. And I'm Hanan Hashmi, also co-founder and co-CEO of Capsule. Awesome, awesome. And so the last time, like we mentioned, we, we met almost two years ago. So this was like way yeah. back, <laughs> 2018. And I'm sure there's a lot of changes that happened. So um, tell me um, how things are with you guys, with, with Capsule. Yeah, um, I'd say it's been a lot of growth and a lot of learning, if I was to summarize it uh, in one sentence. I'd say the biggest thing for us has just been really refining our processes and becoming better leaders, becoming better business people, and just uh, trying to learn as quickly as possible and apply those learnings on a day-to-day basis. Um, so yeah, it's it, we've gone through a lot of personal changes in our lives, and of course, business changes, and now with uh, COVID, the world changes. <laughs> <laughs> I think the theme uh, is just, uh, yeah, the theme would just be learning and adapting, refining, uh, would be the last few years. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think we're all kind of, ex- obviously two years is enough growth, but then the last six months or so, it's just been a complete whirlwind of changes and stuff. So have you guys adapted with um, running a business during this time? Uh, for us, and Hannon, feel free to jump in at any point, but for me, it's turned out to be a kind of blessing in disguise where all of the stars seem to line up for us quite conveniently. Uh, it's odd to talk about COVID being a blessing in disguise um, with all of the things that have happened, but I think it allowed us to take the principles that, I'd learned, uh, that we'd learned, apply them on a day-to-day basis, and then really refine um, how we work together and uh, how we manage our time a lot more efficiently. Yeah. Um, and I guess the biggest change, because we mentioned it quite a bit in the last one, was working full-time jobs as well as working uh, on Capsule, which was a huge challenge. Um, and the plan was from um, April this year to uh, from March this year to work on it full-time. Um, and then we had a strange situation where I resigned from my job. I had a long notice period to serve, so I was serving that for a few months. And um, yeah, well, my my um, former boss he told me, okay, well, coronavirus has just launched, and your actual end date is in a couple of weeks, but we can finish it early if you like. Yeah. Um, and I was like, yep, sure, I'll take that offer. And then <laughs> the whole country shut down, and then Hannah was also like, oh, David, I'm also <laughs> free. So in the weird turn of events in the universe, we both ended up free on the same day to start like working uh, on this full time. So I think that's the major, major change. 
that, that's it's crazy how the world works i mean i know mm. there's a lot of negative that has come from this situation but again with timing it's not really up to you and then if things do align we had to obviously roll with it and make the best of the situation mm. and i think it just shows that you're prepared for that moment i believe yeah definitely um and we've said it many times where it's a once in a generation if not a once in many generation event mm. and it happened on the day that was convenient for us both <laughs> and we said it could have happened at any time six months before six months after a year from now a year before but it just happened when we were at the the kind of critical moment in, in what we're doing so um i'm not a religious person but I do think that there's some things that you can't explain happening, and that certainly felt like one of those. Yeah. Um, <laughs> universe or a higher power, whatever you want to call it, I'm just like, oh, okay, that is that is a bit too convenient. <laughs> um, and yeah, I guess over the last few weeks, uh, Hannah and I have just been finding a system where we can not only have productive work time while working remotely, but also just use this time to become more holistic people and take care of our lives on, on a broader sense. So uh, whether that's the fitness or artistic things or just trying your, your hand at something new, we have the unique ability to do that in sort of this weird summer holiday <laughs> situation yeah. that coronavirus has kind of ended up being. Yeah, it was like the longest summer holiday that I've been in. Um, I remember myself being like 10 years old. I'm just like, it's great to be outside, but in a way, I kind of miss going to school. But like, you know what I mean? Like at some point towards the tail end, you're just like, yeah, I'm ready for that moment. But I mean, it's good to use that time to sort of reflect and kind of regroup and even pick up some new skills because from a creative standpoint, it kind of helps with your sort of mental. And um, even from a sort of emotional standpoint, you can sort of regroup and find better avenues to sort of work in, in the way you do. So I thought I'd just ask you, Hannah, how, how's the sort of transition in terms of where you were previously to going full time as well? I'm just, I'm just kind of in shock that it's been two years already. <laughs> I, I was just looking at the, the, the date when we last did our, uh, our first edition of this, of this podcast and it was July 2018. And I'm just thinking, has it, has it really been two years? I know. Yeah. Um, so I guess for us, um, or, or my kind of perspective when it comes to um, structuring how we work, is very much in the next step. So what, what can we do um, as a very next step to push things forward? Um, so I'm always focused on that. And it's only in these rare situations where I look back and I'm just thinking, wow, we've traveled quite a long way to get here. Um, so yeah, the transition has been fairly seamless um, to working full time. Um, I think we we planned a lot for it. We sort of tried to come up with how the ideal versions of ourselves would would work um, when it came to um, having investment. So what what we would structure our day, week, month like. Yeah. Um, so having those thought exercises came in really handy when suddenly um, we were just given. Uh, three months of, of runway um, without even needing to get the investment um, 
so yeah, as David was saying, it just sort of it sort of worked out that the preparation um, met opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, just just kind of hearing about your story, I, I mean, definitely touched ground on that in the first podcast. But just as any introduction, um, what is Capsule and what's this overall objective? Anyone wants to take that one? Um, I'll let you do it this time because I gave a long ass spiel last time. Hey, that was good content, I believe. <laughs> I was able to slice and dice that in multiple segments. <laughs> Fine. Um, well, we're still guided by the same, the same mission, which is um, the three A's so affordable, accessible, and authentic medicines. Um, and the how has sort of changed or has become a bit more specific in the last few months as we have spoken to more um, more uh, clients more investors and just learned more about ourselves and about the problem um, so yeah, I, I guess the way that we describe it now is that we're facilitating the sales of medicines um, going into sub-Saharan Africa mm. by digitizing the supply chain. And I think that's more of a complete way to, to look at what we're doing. Um, yes, yeah, so the problem um, is that there's a huge, uh, huge uh, lack of... Uh, visibility when it comes to medicines moving in certain regions in the world um, so they the uh, manufacturer will sell them to a national wholesaler but then beyond that point you don't know what's happening uh, you don't know if uh, some are being sold on, on a black market you don't know if counterfeits are entering the supply chain and whatnot so i think that this this opacity or we think that this opacity is just um where the where the problems uh, arise so it's just kind of bringing light to that darkness um in some in some way um that we think is the way to to tackle this um but then on the business side um having access to that um, or providing access to that um, data that these uh, manufacturers, these wholesalers, the pharmacies, um, patients, they start here, wouldn't have had access to before, can unlock so much value. Um, value in terms of it, um, in terms of the simple uh, human level of people being able to access, access medicines, it will save lives. Um, but it will also create jobs, um, just adding this extra layer of security um, will help pharmacies grow more sustainably. Um, for instance, we've spoken to um, pharmacies um, based out in sub-Saharan Africa and uh, there are often stockouts of certain, certain medicine types and but then, so the supply diminishes, but the demand um, rises. Yeah. Um, so we've had that with with um, situation uh, with the current situation. Um, so the moment Donald Trump said something about hydroxychloroquine, you'd get a surge in demand for that. Um, but um, there, 
but then there are more evidence-based um, surges that correspond to, to demand. But yeah, just having access to all of that data, making it visible would be, um, would just unlock tremendous amounts of value. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it's amazing work that you guys are doing. And I think, you know, when I look back if, with all the episodes I've done, I think this is a cause that I firmly believe in. And not only just because of my heritage being Nigerian, but also because of the human aspect of making sure people are staying safe with the medicine they take. And because of the pandemic, there's obviously a lot of noise in regards to what the vaccine might be. But um, again, that's a, such a big problem area to, to be solved. And even if we get that vaccine in, you know, whatever time frame that might be, there's always that issue that, like you mentioned, the counterfeit market exists. And if people are desperate to have that medicine, it, it could be it could cause a lot of damage as well. So um, I, I just kind of wanted to talk about the sort of um, ecosystem in Africa as a whole, because from my knowledge, um, the, the coronavirus or COVID-19 hasn't done so much damage in comparison to what's happened in Europe. And, United States. Do you think that's something to do with the um, preparation or do you think that's something to do with how they sort of operate in terms of um, looking after each other? Or I don't know if you have any thoughts in that area. I can give a quick thought from me. Um, just, uh, and again, I am a bit of a spectator as well. And the only access I have is via like, the news outlets and um, so on. But it seems to be the resource management within sub-Saharan Africa has been very impressive um, and the planning and responses have been very effective because I think when um, I think the phrase is necessity is the mother of invention or, or similar um, I think when in the health systems of those countries when they know that there's something coming and they already have these restraint restrained um, environments they just think okay what is the most impactful thing that we can do in a short space of time and on uh, a limited budget and um, I think that's what's been very impressive that they've been able to think okay let's just do the high leverage tasks as soon as possible and that should uh, contain the damage um, and the rhetoric has been quite interesting to watch um, from more of the European outlets where it's more of a sense of disbelief that it could be managed that well in African countries, um, which uh, I think it, it just stands to uh, as evidence of sort of the historical perspectives of uh, Africa or the African continent that, you know, there must be some other reason why things were, um, you know, managed uh all things have been less apparent in, in africa or managed better in africa it can't be that it was just good policy done in a timely manner and done in a very organized way mm. um, and for me what i find and this is a sort of my personal um way of sense checking my own biases or opinions is just looking at um economies which are of similar size or uh, and similar environmental sort of um, similar weather and environmental conditions and so on. So let's just say Brazil, and um, Brazil's had a horrible management of coronavirus. So you have two almost identical climates, almost identical economies and infrastructure gaps, and then one region 
uh, manages it very effectively, and another one uh, seems to be in chaos. So um, that's my way of making sure that, oh, I'm not pulling my biases into how I'm analyzing what I'm saying. Um, but I've, I've just been generally very impressed um, by, by the response. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I was looking at a few news outlets and to hear like African leaders speak about the situation and, you know, medical uh, officials from, from those sort of continents really talk about it in, in a way where they were educating um, a lot of the news reports that had a sort of Western mentality. It was, it was very, it, you kind of see that type, you know, that transition happen where, you know, a lot of the knowledge that exists in Africa can benefit the world as well. And the fact that there's that transfer that you guys have can definitely help aid them in, in much more bigger areas as well. So that's very impressive. Um, I wanted to touch on one thing, because I know we haven't done a big catch up in a while, but I remember in one of your snacks or I think it was your Instagram post that you went to Nigeria at some point. <laughs> How was that? Yeah. How was that experience? <laughs> I don't know, I'll let you give your uh, input. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah, no, it was it was amazing. Um, I think it was one of the most, uh, we had one of our most uh, mission-affirming moments, um, which took the shape of a sales discussion with a large pharmaceutical. Um, and it was... It, it wasn't really planned. Uh, we literally picked up the phone and um, got in touch with somebody um, just after we'd uh, landed in, in Lagos, um, more or less the next day, and uh, just explained what we were doing. And uh, he was really interested and wanted to, to speak with us um, more or less right away. We set up a meeting in their office. Um, yeah, the next day went in and just had we what we felt like a, a hero's welcome, um, and just just not needing to explain the the problem, just getting a, a feeling of a feeling of understanding um, was great. Um, but I guess. It, looking back it's it's fairly obvious that we would have a reaction like that considering um the majority of who we were speaking with beforehand we'd have to kind of explain the whole um of like not only where nigeria is on a map but then going to um where uh, where the actual deficits lie and how we how then capsule tie into to resolving those um, so yeah, it was it was it was a it was a great uh, great experience um, that one meeting. Um, but yeah, the highlights were the food, obviously. <laughs> the food is incredible. Um, the people were really welcoming. Um, I think I think the streets being as chaotic as they were was, was something that we we had to acclimate to, but we quickly did, which is surprising. Um, um, but yeah, really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've got an anecdote from our first night. When we we landed, we it took a while for us to find out where our hotel was, and then we get into the hotel and we ordered a twin room. Um, but they just had one bed. He <laughs> <laughs> was a he was a, a big sports student. <laughs> um, 
and we just had to explain to these uh, to, to the um, receptionists and so on. We booked a twin room. We showed the email. You're like, it's expected that with a twin room, we have two beds, blah blah blah. So we had to share a bed, and we were just like, we're tired. It's hot, and let's just go out and get some food. And we walk outside um, the hotel. And then we just heard noise in the darkness because it was no, there was no lighting on the street. Yeah. And there was about 30, 40 people kind of out and about in this dark street. <laughs> so we were just like, okay then. <laughs> and then I, was just like, I was like, oh, well, let's go to the main high street. We can see lights there. So we were walking there and then um, Hannah was like, David, shall we go back? And I was like, ha, 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 let's carry on, go forward. And then um, <laughs> we just ended up like going around the area and I think we nearly got run over by a motorcycle like, driving on the pavement. And Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to sound surprising, but I'm not. <laughs> yeah, and it was just like, I remember we ventured out for about a 10-minute walk and then we were just like, okay, now, now let's go back. I think we need to kind of get used to a small little area, uh, become familiar with what's there and then slowly expand. And then when we got back to the hotel, I was uh, talking to Hannah and he was like, oh, David, I was serious when we said, let's go back. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, it was, it was just kind of, that was the baptism of fire. Um, yeah. But I think once we got used to that, we just kept on pushing the level of discomfort more and more and just going to more um, areas and places. And I think, oh, well, the, the most lively place was actually on, uh, so we were staying on uh, Ikoi, the island. Mm. Um, we went to the mainland and went to Yaba, like on the second week, I think it was. Um, and yeah, that was like the definition of buzzing and busy and yeah. Um, and then I think by the time we left, uh, well, for me at least, I, I remember feeling, man, I could see myself living in this chaos. I could see myself <laughs> around. It's just so much happening. It's yeah. like, yeah, from the traffic to the food to people trying to sell things on the side of the street to, you know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, to beeping and having to keep your wits about you because there could be someone driving on the pavement. It's just like everything. It just felt so lively. Yeah. It's such a weird experience. I mean, when I tell people what Nigeria is about, or at least Lagos, because <laughs> there's a Buja and that's a bit more like, I would say a bit more structured because there's a lot more roads available. And so, you know, it, it's the capital as well. So it's a bit more developed just in elements of this um, sort of infrastructure. But with Lagos, it's just everything's just in one go. There's no direction. There's just everyone's busy. And I think. Mm-hmm. When I came back to UK, I was like, the amount of effort that people do to make themselves feel seen or working hard to sort of, you know, sell something is work ethic. Mm-hmm. I don't think is glamorized here in the UK, and you know, it kind of inspired me to sort of always push forwards and stuff. Did you take any lessons coming out of um, that experience that made you feel motivated to sort of push forwards, or just yeah, in general? Um, I'd, I'd say for me, in terms of the lesson that I'll take, I'd say is when we were driving around um, the different areas and then it made it a lot more real for us. And I was just like, when we talk about the infrastructure gaps and technology gaps and even how the opacity creates opportunities for things to go 
on kind of behind closed doors that no one could see, seeing that level of chaos and also the people and everything there, this was, for me, it was like, okay, this is a real problem affecting real lives with people every day. And living in London and working in London kind of distances you from that human impact. Um, and for me, I'm just like, now. Nah, I, I think back to when I was looking at individual people, looking at the infrastructure and thinking, okay, this is what we're doing. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, absolutely. What about yourself, Henry? Yeah, it just, uh, yeah, definitely made me feel really privileged. And I was just, um, I think I, I read something earlier today about like, a, that I thought was quite a good definition of privilege. Um, where it's, it's like an issue that you can, you can forget about because it doesn't directly affect you. Yeah. Um, which, yeah, I thought was, was quite interesting. That's, that's not me. That's, that's borrowed from someone. But, um, yeah, so definitely felt privileged, but also felt um, similarly connected on a more emotional level as to the um, nature of the problem and the impact that um, helping solve it would, would create, um, which, yeah, I think, I think is definitely a big part of the puzzle. Um, when you're working for yourself um, and also looking to find meaning in what you're doing there there can be like a an intellectual like a theoretical understanding of why of your why but mm -hmm. I think the emotional anchoring that going into the field and seeing where your work will have impact it would be uh, is is also essential. Yeah, absolutely. I, I feel like again, the fact that you were able to go there and see it for yourselves and feel that, yeah, it can can probably just make what you do more valuable in terms of why you why you're doing it. And mm -hmm. uh, I know coming back from Nigeria to the UK, again, sorry, I've been stalking you guys for a little bit, but <laughs> you did a competition, right? Or you were part of an initiative in terms of yeah. was it like a epic morality sort of. Um, entrepreneurship scheme correct me if i'm wrong but what was the name of it yeah so that was a um scheme for uh, a conference um pr that promotes the that promotes suppliers or um businesses that are run by um ethnic minority um founders um, so this particular organization is called msd um i'm trying to think of what they what they stand for um but we'll just we'll just call it msd msd uk um so yeah that was that was a really good experience uh we worked um in so in preparation for it we had to do um a, a uh, fill out a huge form and do a um, some pitch practice, some other workshops. Um, we did a session with um, David McQueen, actually, uh, who I think you've interviewed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, great guy, knows what he's talking about. Yeah. Um, and I think we took a lot of learnings from our session with him on how to um, present ourselves. Um, and I think it was the biggest uh, presentation that we've done together as part of Capsule. 
um, in terms of the amount of people in the audience. I think there were maybe one or 200 people there. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a great day. Um, we met loads of um, potential uh, clients there. Um, we were also able to just be on this journey with our contemporaries who are the other um, startups that had gone through the same sort of um, program as us. So it felt in many ways like a, like a weird kind of graduation, <laughs> like, a, like giving a valedictorian speech, that kind of thing. Um, <laughs> um, so yeah, it was, yeah, I thought it was a, it was a really good experience. Um, yeah, and off the back of that, we were invited to go to, um, to, go to a further conference and, and sit on a panel um, with solely pharma global pharmaceutical companies and talk about um, just what we're doing and uh, yeah, the effect of uh, substandard and falsified medicines um, globally. So that was, that was really good. Um, David, do you want to add anything? Uh, I'd say you, you did a great summary for that. I, I, for me, it was the opportunity for us to pitch together for the first time. So we were kind of the only team that pitched as a duo. And we never actually did it publicly before. But uh, I remember when we, we finished, it went absolutely perfectly. Um, we had a five-minute timer. And it, it, when we finished saying, um, thank you for listening, that is exactly when the timer went off. <laughs> and it was like, wow, we just nailed it to the second we did the, uh, and I just remember looking across at Hannah and, and then when we went up to sit down after the pitch and he was like, would you give that out of 10? And he was like, 10 out of 10. <laughs> now, normally I'm the optimistic one where I overestimate the performance that we have. Um, and Hannah is the one that kind of levels <laughs> my enthusiasm. But when I, when I heard 10 out of 10 from him, I was like, yeah, I knew it. I knew it. We couldn't have done any better. Um, that, that was the kind of main feeling of the first day. And uh, on the second day where we were speaking at a panel, um, we, when we were speaking at the panel, I remember sitting alongside these executives. And um, one, one of the things that spoke, that kind of stayed with me afterwards was when they came up to me after the talk and they were like, you know, what you're doing is very inspirational uh, for me and for my career and so on. And these are very senior execs, uh, a very big company, very accomplished in their own right. And it was very humbling um, to know that even people who are very capable and clearly very capable, they are slightly envious or, or um, slightly in awe by people who have the ability to not only see a gap in the market that they feel uniquely capable of solving, but to back themselves and to bet on themselves and to go for it. And for me, it was just more like, um, just more energy it gave me to be like, Hannah and I, we not only trust ourselves, but we trust each other and what we're doing well enough to kind of uh, go all the way, um, which <laughs> for those people who, Remember the, the first podcast, uh, that's our motto. Um, and to be honest, that's how I want people to remember us, if, if they are to think about us in any way, is just to say, these guys are capsule, they're, they're going all the way. Um, they'll learn whatever they need to learn. They'll do whatever they need to do. They'll take however long it needs to take, but they're going to fix this problem.
Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, just by you just explaining that whole story to me, um, is it about you getting a seat at the table or is it about you to creating your own table and doing something that no one else has ever done before? I think, Hannah, you have the best phrase for this. You said it the other day. Um, the, the game one. I'll, I'll let you say it. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, well, David and I went off on a tangent, as we often do. Um, and we're talking about uh, simulation theory and uh, how if this, if what we're doing with Capsule were to be part of a simulation, um, I think it would probably be the best game I personally have ever played. Um, and then I said that to David and he was like, you know, yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, this is pretty much the best game um, I've ever played. Um, and yeah, just getting to do that uh, day in, day out, um, and for it to be of service to others is just uh, fantastic. Um, so yeah, I think that's that's the way we look at it now. It's amazing to see. So I feel like, you know, in the two years, there's the growth. And not just the way you guys look now, but in terms of... <laughs> if, I put, if I put out the video, you'll see what I mean. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> in terms of just the progression of your, your journey, it's, it's really beautiful. And um, to be in the sidelines watching you guys grow, it's, it's been, you know, a pleasure. And, you know, how, it's weird how the world connects in terms of, you know, how we meet each other and stuff. But I feel the story is developing. I feel like this is still, um, you know, very early stages. But I know you guys are going to be much more bigger in the future. And I feel like I'm always here to support you guys if needed. Yeah. Likewise, likewise. Um... I'd say for me, uh, I, I said this to Hanan before we came on, um, just be like, how would we want this podcast to go really and what message would we, would we really want to leave? And for me, it's more that it's a journey and a process that you need to love. And this doesn't feel like work. To Hanan's point, it's like a game, a game of self-improvement, a game of self-development, of challenge, of problem-solving. And of failure, but you, you take each one of those and you just say, oh, I'm going to come back again. And I'm going to come back and I'm going to learn and I'm going to keep going again. And I think for us, the, the real privilege I feel now is, uh, like Hannah said, is to be able to do that every day. And I haven't questioned what I'm doing in life or how I'm spending my time at all. Mm. Um, and I, I feel every day a sense of purpose and focus. Um, which I think as a human being, that's the, the highest calling that anyone could have for themselves to just be like, what I'm doing every day, every day is what I'm meant to do. Um, and I'd say, yeah, it's, it's taking the time and allowing yourself the space and room to grow and to have the wins and losses to learn what that thing is and then to just enjoy it as you go through it. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't get anything better in terms of what you <laughs> top it up. I think that's a beautiful way to sort of at least end the podcast um, because, yeah, I think finding your purpose is probably the best thing any person should find in this world. And the fact that you two have found that and continue to live by that truth is amazing. So uh, I, I do appreciate you guys taking your time, your busy schedules to sort of be in the podcast. And I'm making sure we're not going to have another two-year lapse before we <laughs> 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 Yeah. Yeah, um, 
that's for sure. I can't wait for a few more exciting updates, but yeah. um, I have a tendency to talk too soon, so I'm going to shout out, and then hopefully the next one. Fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah, Fingers crossed next time we see each other in person, now on Zoom. <laughs> exactly. Thank you, Sarah. Awesome, right. I'm going to head to head out because the um, saying I've got less than one minute left. Hey podcast listeners, thanks for listening and thanks for my special guest and thanks for clicking that play button. But I need you to do four things for me. I want you to like, comment, subscribe and share this content. It will help tremendously with the growth of this podcast and I'm producing more content than ever. So I want you guys to be the first to know and I want others to know as well. So do those four things for me and help this podcast grow to a bigger platform. Thanks for listening.